Did you just start it recording and then we just start talking at some point? Is that what's happening? I actually thought of we need a jingle, but I'm not going to do it today. <laughs> but I might write one for next week. Okay. I was thinking like, hello, hello, hello. Welcome to another episode. No, no, I fucked it. I was, while I was peeing a minute ago, I came up with one, <gasps> but I've forgotten it already. Um, Come back to you next time and go for a wee maybe. Yeah, maybe I just need to pee every time I have a good idea. Every time I want to write a song. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, one pees quite a lot, so you should be very prolific if you do it like that. Yeah. Mm. Have we started or shall I start us? <laughs> I feel like we've just started. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if... Are we going to keep that in? The bit about me peeing? Yeah. Probably. Okay, great. Yeah, yeah. Well, if you've not caught on already... This is indeed another episode of the How Not Podcast, hosted by me, Luca Manning. And me, Kamakari. I struggled a minute there. Mm. How are you? I'm okay, I'm zero out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that went in my nose. <coughs> <laughs> Fuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so. Do you know what? I normally hate people like, not like you, but like, there's this guy... I don't even give a fuck if he hears this, but yeah. that comes into work. And he's just he's just such a man, right? Mm. So I hate him. Mm-hmm. But um, I'm always like, how are you, person? And he goes, terrible. And it really annoys me because he can't be that terrible because no. he doesn't have... Oh, anyway. But that was funny. I'm not always zero to ten, though. No, no, you're allowed a little zero to ten uh, moment. So I'm having a blue drink and a cold brew drink. And, and I had a small ball earlier. A small ball? A little nut ball. And mm. so I think we should be fine. We should be fine now. Do you know what? You'll be cracking. Yeah. And you've had a pair. I had a pair. Yeah. So, you know, we're prepped and ready. I've got a bottle of oil. oil, oil. Wow. Oh, sorry. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> In my bag. Maybe we can have a swig of that. Oh, see delicious. if that gets us going. Yeah, definitely. Mm, that would be lovely. Just in time for our great topic today. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> um, I think it's something about Sundays. I just hate Sundays. I don't know. I'm having quite a nice, like, it's raining outside, but I'm inside. Went and got my hair cut. You know, mm. I did a very Sunday. I've had about 600 coffees. Yeah. And I'm still tired. Yeah. You know, just mm-hmm. one of those days, to be quite <laughs> honest. But now, finally, we've both seen... Paradise. Yeah. That just came into my head too. Can you read my mind? Yeah. Probably. Yeah. Um yeah, what did we think then? Well, it was like the best thing I've ever seen in my life. Yep. I just wanted to melt. Yep, yep, yep. Um a little bit apprehensive going in. One minute fifty. No, no, one minute bah! fifty. <laughs> yeah, a bit long for me to be honest. <laughs> I might need in? a pee. Um one hour fifty minutes, no interval. So my bladder was like, What are you doing? Yeah. And then I thought Oh, it's, it's cool. I've got seats on the end. I'll just sneak out. And then when I went in, the first thing the man says, if you go out for a wee, you're not getting back in. You're not in. getting back in. I was like... Strap in now. That is... Oh, my God. Um, but because I was so mesmerised, it went by in like a flash. It, it was like the shortest two hours of ever I had spent. the same thing, actually. I didn't, um, I didn't like get restless at no. all or think, oh, are we coming to the end? Yeah. Um... I was pretty captivated and yep. I, I wasn't sure if that was just where I was sat because I was quite near the front but it's good that you also had that because then it, it must have just been that it was fucking cracking. I would say it is definitely that. I was sat near the front too but I mean it was beautifully set. Like The the set was great and the whole kind of like tearing of action, you know, physically. Yeah. Like there was a lot. Yeah, it kept it really exciting. It's nice. To, I really like things that are in the round. I like to it's a nice way to perform and it's a nice way to see things I think it like it encourages the cast to like be more aware of everything around them you yeah. know rather than just be focused on one direction yeah but yeah so I guess so there's yeah so the, it was in the round but then there were kind of two two parts to the set that were raised on either end weren't yeah, they, which, that were kind of used now and again yeah give it a bit of dynamic for sure yeah Um. yeah I just thought there was such an amazing like almost ironic like portrayal of masculinity brought to these roles like well they were almost like caricature like but in a really nuanced way it was really fascinating definitely it was like you were watching i don't know like multiple 
things like in a way like because there were shown so many shades to it like it was yeah it was great it was, it was so interesting and that would only happen by not having men play these characters exactly yeah so it's an all-female cast but then the there were three male characters right yeah uh played by women um although does it ever assert that they're men it does it does it does i'm pretty sure it does because i was also thinking that but i'm sure i'm pretty sure it does um yeah because it talks about like um like with philip titi's like his marriage oh, and, and his, his wife and his wife child and, yeah, yeah, yeah so true. they definitely are oh and men. achilles son is referenced yeah yeah, that, yeah. yeah um no i thought that leslie sharp and anastasia hill were like stand out what is happening like i've n- it's leslie sharp who i mean he's certainly the kind of main main actor in terms of like stage time mm. was just the most captivating performance i've yeah. ever seen yeah like just from like from the first entrance it, well i mean from the time leslie sharp arrives on stage kind of doesn't leave after that yeah and it's quite cool because it's not straight away as well you mm-hmm. have like the the kind of ensemble cast who are right. these kind of like refugee type uh, characters who all have their own stories as well which yeah. is nice um yeah they kind of carry the narrative and introduce you to the setting and all that but then from the minute we meet leslie it's like okay wow we're in, we're in. and yeah. like the you could just hear there's, there's quite a few kind of extended monologues that Philoctetes gives yeah and you could just hear a you could hear someone exhale in yeah. the, the yeah. way that she's able to hold everyone what that was and actually at the end great theater acting actually oh incredible theater acting yeah. like because i think sometimes there's this really interesting line that can sometimes there's a, i guess a spectrum of how much you project both i guess both your voice but also emotions from yeah. like screen and stage but at no yeah there's point, a danger of um it's a very fine line of doing too much and not enough right you know? exactly but that was like met completely yeah. beautifully yeah. and I, and i thought and so, yeah anastasia hill who played um odysseus yeah was extraordinary as yeah. well yeah really good because i think that that character starts almost a little bit like a comedy figure yeah yeah that's kind of what i mean about the kind of almost poking fun at yeah the really caricatured macho um, yeah, like, army yeah. thing but then still had a nice nuance to it. And, and, really and, good arc. And like, there was also moments of real vulnerability and, yep. and heartbreak and these characters and finding themselves in situations because of their masculine pride that meant that they were, you know, at odds with what they actually wanted. And yep. it was it was really interesting, yeah. Yeah, so, the, yeah, so it's based on a... Um, a Sophocles, it's like a Greek tragedy. Yeah. So it's after the Trojan War. Um, and I was like, oh, fuck, <laughs> when I saw that. You're like, no, I was, I was I'm, like, out. I'm out. Yeah. But it was super, like, it was classic K-Tempest, like, still relevant little nuggets of today's society. I feel like K basically took these overarching themes and, as they always are, made them super relevant to the world we live in today. Well, definitely, because, I mean, it's a play that is about a kind of really, really extended conflict. Yes, we've been in many of those across our lifetimes. Um, Displacement. Yeah, displacement of people. Yeah. Um, It's kind of like... This this really toxic idea of of kind of honour and how honour is used to... To whip people into the armed forces, which is yeah, very to fight vile. for something they know nothing about. <clears throat> yeah, like... which isn't a real thing. And yeah, so I guess that for people who haven't seen it, um, it's after the Trojan War, and um, uh, Philoctetes was an archer, a very good archer, but a little bit of a loose cannon in the in the war under Odysseus, I guess, who's like the was one of the generals. Um, caused a bit of a shite by mm. jumping the gun and getting injured and as a result of having to be rescued 
a lot of people in the platoon were killed. Yeah. So Odysseus was feeling like Philoctetes was had become a uh, <clears throat> too volatile, just a, a bit of a danger. So encouraged them to have a little sleepy. And then when Philoctetes wakes up, they've abandoned him yeah. on an island. On an island. And so the, this, the play starts 10 years after that. So he's been on this island on his own for 10 years. And it's really interesting, his kind of like state, a very animalistic like yeah. state because he's been like in this cave and like he's just like, he doesn't talk to the other women on the island who yeah. have made quite a homely life They've there. created and like... They've a, created a community yeah. and a way of living and a way of... Um, looking after one another and yep. cooking food and da, 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 as you would kind of expect human beings to club together but he's like this kind of weird he's like a hermit beast he? that they don't yeah. talk to that lives in the cave you yep. know and it's quite interesting but what now they've realised 10 years on that they actually do need Philoctetes to come back and, and fight because he's really he's good shit hot. at shooting so they enlist a young soldier mm-hmm. to try and trick, trick him, back. him yeah and and i think that's a really interesting role as well played brilliantly yeah amazingly um, yeah the, the whole idea of like this kid like because of really famous dad and, yeah in the shadow of his dad who's achilles yeah and it's like it kind of quite gets the point where it's like he realizes he doesn't even want to be there you know yeah like, he's, he's being kind of kind of rushed into being a warrior because his dad died. Yeah. And there's this, oh, the weight of the name and the family lineage and he's kind of harangued across. And then this, Odysseus kind of charms him or, well, sort of uses a lot of tactics and then eventually just forces him to, right, you do it. You go and convince him, but lie, mm. say that you just found him and, you know, encourage him back. Say it'll be, it'll be like a massive hero's welcome when he goes back to his wife and his family when yeah. actually they just need him to fight on the front line. <clears throat> So I guess the majority of the play is that is is trying to encourage him to get on that boat yeah. to go back, um, and there's you know there's this bit at the end where Odysseus says I have to keep away because if he sees me he's not going to come back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But eventually get comes back in because it's, Shit, it's all fun. getting a bit yeah. messy. There's a point where when they first meet, there's this hug yeah. or this well this this embrace. Which I th- is like one of the most incredible things I've ever seen. Yeah. Which is like, there's so much communicated in that completely non-verbal moment mm. where they they hug each other. It's right on the edge where it feels like it could very easily become a fight. Like it's like there's a lot of pushback, but there's like you, the way that they portray how complex those feelings are. They're both in one sense happy to see each other because there is a there's a bond that forms when you right. work so closely with someone else there's a lot of anger and a lot of it's like there's Resentment. so much within well, there's that there's been 10 years of pent up emotion yeah there, right but it was it's it was one of them and there was this vulnerability and there was like there was it and then it felt like sexually charged and it was like there was so much mm. going on in what was just a hug right that mustn't have lasted more than 10 seconds and it's like that's, that's an interesting good. moment to pick out actually yeah i think the other thing was that there was who was the amazing musician that was part of the cast Esca Esca yeah and Esca kind of like um, moved the story along yeah in points but also like rounded off things yeah. and, and, and I really liked that use of almost there's like a narrator really, but not quite but there's something really primal about someone getting up in a room and starting to sing definitely Especially in a storytelling way, like mm-hmm. we see in like tribal communities and and stuff, still. Yeah, and I think that's something that's like innate in all of us. Like mm-hmm. everyone has a voice that they can use to tell a story and to. And I just thought that was a brilliant, you know, really simple and really effective way of like adding on another layer and definitely it was really beautiful. But quite really quite it. understated as well. I mean, in terms of... Yeah, it wasn't like a literal song and dance no, about it. It was exactly. just like someone gets up and starts singing. And, and that's sort of... And yeah, it's, and that's all it, cool. Um, and and if, when it first starts, it's almost like you're not sure whether it's singing or not. It's right. Like you yeah, 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 exactly. It's it's just very like... the the. It really reminded me actually of um, Suzanne Bonner, who's a dear, dear pal, um, who works a lot with Jackie Kay and mm-hmm. like... Uh, 
they do a lot of gigs where like Jackie will read and then Suzanne will be like improvising just with her voice mm-hmm. um, along to the reading and like it, it just really reminded me of that actually because yeah. it's like we forget how powerful just a voice is you know Definitely. I think in the age of like so much is available to us in terms of production and and textures and orchestrations and like that's amazing but like sometimes just hearing a naked voice is like fuck definitely hit you yeah and that was a moment like that for me it was really beautiful yeah i I think that one of the massive things that stood out was the those layers of vulnerability throughout Mm. from everyone actually um and actually the fact that it's it was a very minimal set you know it was very in terms of it was a really uh, beautiful set i thought the set was amazing as well but yeah you're right i mean it was quite like it had like some fancy bits like to it, i'd say like when the what i liked was like they were actually like cooking and yeah stuff actual and foods yeah which i love that kind of stuff because it makes it so much more immersive like yeah when you can actually like hear mm-hmm. the crackle yeah and you can like, or, like smell, smell it. Or, yeah like, for sure whatever um but yeah it wasn't like um decorative it was like a wasteland yeah refugee type situation wasn't it um it's gonna um National Theatre has like a subscription service where you can watch plays that are filmed and I think it will come at some point onto NT at home. Yeah. Because I would love to see it again. I've seen a couple of amazing NT at home things. Yeah. Um Yeah. I've also seen some other amazing theatre recently actually. So I saw Russell Tovey and Amari Douglas in Constellations, mm-hmm. which was really, really beautiful. And then I saw Overflow, Travis Alabanza's yeah. most recent play. At the bush, and I'd only ever seen that streamed, mm-hmm. and going to see it in person was exactly what we spoke about. It was so much more immersive. It was in thrust, so it was like almost in the round, mm-hmm. and it's so like I mean, Reese Lyon stars in it, and Reese is just a superstar, and like there's so much like you know at one point that like, Reese is like smoking, you could like smell the smoke. I love that they used a real cigarette, for example, and like um, there was like stuff being thrown and like water would splash on people and stuff. And it was just I, I love when it's like that's why you go and see yeah. things live. Yeah. Um but that's an amazing piece of work. And I think closing nights in the first week of October. So like if anyone run. can see it like run. It's just yeah, genius. It's so nice to get back to see theatre and things in Yeah. Life. But also I've been shattered. Like like I've really underestimated the you know, going out all the time and like input, 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 absorb, and then it's like, oh my god, I'm tired. Being starved, and now we're stuffing our faces. Our yeah, and stuffing, not stuffing our cheeks. Both. Can it's be beautiful bad. though. It's great. It's great. Right. Well, we've dealt with some niceness now. That's the end of that. Listen, you're taking full responsibility. Let's Kim's talk about abortion. <laughs> right. So we mentioned it very briefly. We're in, before we talked about something else, because it was in the news, because Texas, mm, Texas, Texas, the the Lone Star State. I saw a thing that said the star on the the single star on the Texas flag is actually a review. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Um, yeah, they have recently outlawed. They've kind of um, repealed Roe versus Wade, which is the um, federal law that requires safe access to abortions. Yeah. They've said, no, 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 none of that. And so it's now six and a half weeks is the cut-off point for people At to, which point most people don't know don't they're, know they're pregnant, pregnant, right? Um, and until recently, because I, do, I think they have pulled back on this, but there was a website which you were encouraged to use to whistleblow. To snatch people, if to you, snitch on people, yeah. If you heard whispers that your neighbour was getting an abortion, you could clipe on them. Yeah. Or if um, you knew someone that was, like, helping someone. That's right, helping Financially someone. or, like, uh, yeah. to travel to a state right. where they could. Um, yeah, it was pretty fucking vital. And there was a financial incentive as well. It was, like, yeah. it was a bounty system. Yeah. Now, luckily, um, the the good world of the internet put a swift stop to that website and flooded yeah, it, to that. And it, um, that. That was pulled fairly quickly. It was all it all blew up over yeah. a few days, didn't it? Um but obviously the the law is still there. Well yeah, what stage are we actually at? Because I read that the 
because the law's still in, I don't know the legal talk for it, but still in formation in a sense, the Supreme Court therefore haven't yet challenged it. But the worrying thing is that the Supreme Court, because everyone's saying, well, does this then overturn Roe versus Wade? Mm -hmm. You know, Roe versus Wade has been around since the 70s and it's essentially, it's almost like kind of constitutional that people have the right to access abortion in the US, right? Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, And everyone's going, well, does this new Texas law mean that Roe versus Wade is going to be overturned? And something I read was like, well, no, because this new Texas law is technically still in formation almost, then there hasn't then been kickback yet. But the thing is, the Supreme Court is in conservative majority now anyway because of good old Trump, isn't it? So there's no kind of guarantee. It is, although the the Supreme Court's been in a sort of conservative or right-wing majority for quite a long time, and that doesn't necessarily mean that it always sides with the righties. Right. But I think the, the dangerous thing is that the Supreme Court hasn't yet waded in. Yeah. And we're getting fairly far along the process where mm-hmm. you would... I think the you'd imagine that if a state was opting to essentially overturn a federal law, it would have there would have been uh, the Supreme Court would have stepped in By earlier right. than this. Yeah. Um. So, I mean, there is pressure from all different fronts, and actually, someone who I've been really impressed with um, is the spokesperson, the press secretary for Biden. Who is and I? My name, her, my name escapes me. <laughs> <laughs> who am I? Let alone hers. Um, but she obviously has been in the pre- press briefings at the White House. Has been getting a lot of questions, mm. specifically about the fact that Biden has come out and said that, um, essentially, said that he doesn't agree with the Texas law. And so there's been a lot of questions about the fact that Biden is a Catholic and why. Why is he um, supporting um, access to abortions when that's against his faith? Right. And the press secretary has been really good at saying, "Shut your mouth." Yeah. Um, and kind of shutting that down. And and so there has been kind of widespread from the the kind of from a lot of politicians. There's been support for it to be challenged and not allowed to go through. Mm-hmm. But. Um, it's a vet. the The anti-abortion lobby is a very powerful one. And huge. I mean, especially if we're talking about the religion in America. Right. I mean, it's like it's not. Well, to I be... read today um, that someone who's involved in it was someone who was involved in either like drawing up the law or representing it legally. Some mm-hmm. kind of legally person is um, come out and said, "Well, you know, like it's it's fine because this law will just encourage women to like." abstain from from sex or like um they can just say no to sex then or they can take take control of their fertility i think was the the idea and it just it honestly makes your blood curdle doesn't it um and it turned out that he had like huge there was these leaked um email one well, no, it was like freedom of information requested emails that he had like huge links to like big big lawyer firms and huge who were then in turn funded by um anti-abortion mm-hmm. um activists and, and organizations so the lobby is huge money is never far yeah. from these people's yeah. apparently very strong fundamental and viscerally felt beliefs which can change on a dime depending on who's paying yeah, you money exactly right? it's interesting it. because so abortion um is one of those kind of really emotive topics that mm. the right which tends to be the part of the political spectrum that uh likes to talk about a lot um uses and can weaponize because it's very triggering yeah um and so there's a lot of you know you you've got some really good visuals because you've got all those weird doctored pictures of like wee dead babies yeah, in the yeah, bucket yeah. and everything that are just not real but um, you've got lots of so one of the things that you'll see all the time in kind of pregnancy books or whatever is is like a kind of week by week, um, the baby is equivalent to this, right. you know, the size of a grape, the size of a whatever, or the size of an orange. Um, so you've got really handy visuals for like, and I've seen kind of anti-abortion um, campaigners with kind of little tiny kind of models yeah, of yeah, look. Yeah. This, is, this is what your yeah. baby's like. Yeah. Um, so. 
like really good kind of visual, uh, lots of props that can be used, but also um, lots of emotion that can be whipped up yeah. um, because you can talk about the sanctity of life and you can talk about how the most important thing is to have a family and to procreate and that lots of people want to have a baby and they can't, so how dare you get rid of your right. baby that you, right. that you have already. Um, but what is really interesting is that it's... The unborn are a really um, pretty good group to advocate for, as mm. it turns out, because they don't have any say in anything. Mm. They're not going to get in touch with you and ask you for anything. Yeah. Um, they, they have no past or future or present, so they're perfect victims, which we can come on to in a bit later. Um so there's no kind of skeletons in the closet. You're right. not going to advocate for an unborn child only to find out they've been embezzling money or something. Yeah, yeah, so that's yeah, fine. Totally. Um, and they will never require anything from you because as soon as they're born, they stop being that group. What One of the massive issues that I have is with, you know, that goes with everything you're saying is everyone, you know, it's like, you're dead babies. And it's like, by being pro-choice, you're not, necessarily encouraging everyone to run out and get abortions willy nilly you're not you're not ignoring the fact that it is an incredibly emotional process for people but we need to understand the reality in which we're living in and where people are faced with choices and that choice should lie with the very person that affects and they should have autonomy over their body it's people you know by being pro-choice you're not saying you want to kill babies well that's why it's, like, that's, that's why they call themselves pro-choice not pro-abortion ba- pro because pro-abortion, exactly. no one's pro-abortion no. we're so obsessed with the binary of you're either exactly. for or against exactly this is what I'm trying to say it's no like, one's like but we need to understand um, the situations that people find themselves in right. and I just find it really frustrating when people use these hugely over dramatic arguments because it's like well no we're, it's pro-choice not pro-abortion and also yep. like we need to understand that if we're going to talk about sanctity of life, we really need to talk about when that life actually registers as life, you know? Yeah. And there is points in which people should be able to access abortion where we're not... It's, it's just, you know, it's like... You can't... To me, I just you can't say that's a baby. and that, You know, it's like... It's, yeah, and I think... People totally over-dramatise... Oh, they do the the whole process, and it's just yeah, it's not right, and it would be far more damaging for a lot of the time for someone to have the you know to to bring life into this world irresponsibly or in circumstances in which that life would possibly not have a chance of surviving or whatever, um, than to get an abortion safely and yeah, you know exactly, and I think so. Just to examine that perfect victim narrative because we see this all the time um we see it well there's a you know you got there's a reason why if a little white girl with blonde hair goes missing versus a little black boy Mm. there's a difference in coverage because we have very very kind of um oppressive ideas of what makes a perfect victim and so you'll hear people say a lot if you, you know, and this is uh, in almost every kind of bit of news coverage about often, uh, often with regards to women, but not exclusively, obviously, but um, you'll hear some, you know, if if there's a woman that's been murdered, for example, you'll say, there'll be people that'll say, you know, she's someone's daughter. She was someone's mum. Right. She was someone's this. She was a straight A student. She had her whole life ahead of her. gives, right. means that. So you know, that's suddenly your value. That's right. And so we have this idea that there are, that are, well, what goes back at its root is about good people and bad people, right? Yeah. And this idea. And that super intertwined with religion. I'm reading a, a book at the moment by Tom Rasmussen about marriage mm-hmm. and the Institute of Marriage. And, you know, in society, you're, we're all driving to this thing of like, status that or we've made it if you've 
if you are married, mm-hmm. you have met, you know, and again, you find that in the news, she, someone's wife. Mm-hmm. What the fuck does that matter? If someone's murdered, do you know what I mean? But that then makes her a good Absolutely. person that didn't deserve it. You mm-hmm. know, it's like, what? And so then you've got, where it, where I believe it becomes risky in the in the talking discourse around abortion is um one of the things i read about the texas law which was um which was talking against the texas law uh but was saying that there isn't even a an exception for rape or incest mm-hmm. um and so in some places you will have exceptions available to the time period in which you can get an abortion sometimes for medical reasons so some people will be allowed late term abortions if their babies are very unwell if or they're if the or if the mother is at risk <clears throat> um sometimes there will be um legal exceptions if you were raped and the baby is mm-hmm. the result of a rape or incest because of the health um risks to that mm-hmm. um we have to be very careful that we don't create a hierarchy of the best abortions and the worst abortions. Exactly. Now, I think what this is really about is the safe access to healthcare. Yep. And And the right to access safe healthcare. That's right. And that right isn't conditional on anything other than being alive and a human being. Yep. That is the end of it. And when we can get very bogged down in... And this is it's sort of behaviour conditional provision, right? Yeah. And we're we're so used to this because our whole world we're surrounded by behaviour um, conditional provision. So it's why you've got you know in the UK we have a social care system, um, and but all those benefits, um, those financial benefits that you receive, so they're, they're behaviour conditional, so they're means tested. So job seekers allowance, you you can be given some financial support if you're out of work. If you can prove that you're looking for work actively, Um, you can get this um, allocation of money if you can prove that you are under this threshold that we've set. Um, It's the same everywhere. So in school, you can get this if you behave in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Um, We're really, really used to that to the point where it's kind of woven in our DNA. Yeah. This kind of retribution, this kind of uh, punishment and consequence, and this in reward, exactly. Yeah. So we we kind of stop recognising it. Um, to the point where, so if you take something like universal basic income, which is the idea that um, there would be an amount of money that would be provided to a whole town, country, whatever yeah. it be, maybe um, regardless of... And there would be no condition around yes. that money. Um, people find that a very difficult pill to swallow. Yeah. So there's a lot of people who say, well, that's, that's not fair because you'd when be given fact, the millionaires the and you'd be given the poor people. And actually, because we're so unused to provision that isn't conditional, we mm. kind of can't imagine it. Yeah. So, which is why we start feeling like we're going to be comfortable with conditional provision around things like abortion. Right. We, now, to me, it doesn't matter what there is. There should be not even a question around what is the circumstance that brought you here to not have an all. abortion. Not doesn't matter at all. And that's why in this in the NHS as it stands today, someone can walk into A and E. They don't have to tell you about why they've got a big hole in their tummy. Yep. They don't have to tell you they were shot or stabbed. Yep. They don't have to tell you their name, their date of birth, anything. And they are bound to provide care yeah. because it isn't conditional. It shouldn't be conditional. The universal healthcare principle is that it doesn't matter the conditions that surround it. From You're cradle to it. grave, you are. And that should be exactly the same care. here. Yeah, we have to be very careful that we don't get into talking about the good abortions and the bad abortions. Absolutely, Kim. I couldn't agree with you more. Because I mean, we do this all the time. We do this all the time. We're so used to having this hierarchy, and even with kind of the criminal justice system, there's kind of. Crimes that you find more palatable. Good crimes and bad crimes. Yeah. Totally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not, you're right. More palatable, and yeah, and that then means that you know everyone's like, oh, yeah. Well, the we should the the murderers and the rapists they should be like you know in dark rooms and locked yeah. in twenty three hours a day. But but the you know the the shoplifters they oh, they, they can have a telly in the room. Mm-hmm. It's it's really fucked up, isn't, isn't it? it? And it because and it's 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 almost become like a 
it feels so deep rooted that it's like a primal urge, but it's not. It's a learned right. behavior. It's learned behavior. It always is, but it's just it's societal. It's it's so entrenched into society that that's why it feels like it's part of our DNA because like all like everyone you grow up and your family will be can repeating certain things mm-hmm. in the news and everything and it's it's definitely like yes yeah, it's, it's there from the moment you're able to learn it's there yeah and as you say our, our education systems our parenting systems are mm-hmm. everything's based on conditional behavior and rewards if you if you're good you'll get this sweetie yeah if you owe your dinner you'll get this yeah. and it, it's actually and then i think this is something that i was thinking about is there's lot there are lots of people who 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 are pro-choice who want there to be access to to healthcare, but there's lots of little things that we all do that we should examine to make sure we're not kind of adding indirectly to the problem so you think about the fact that Abortion is not something that people like to talk about. I was just about to say this. That's so interesting. I was just about to be like, there's a lot of people who are pro-choice yet still remains very taboo. They don't want to mention. They, they don't. They don't want to know about abortion. No, no. They don't want to know if they're pacified an abortion. They don't want an abortion. Oh, no. but, but but oh yeah, but, but I support fine, yeah. choice. Yeah, and or there'll be people that you know will. It, 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 they're, I guess they're quite squeamish about it. Mm. They prefer, you know, not to bring it out. Of course, there's lots of things like this, but and that's cre- that's adding to stigma, right? Of course, and because then what we've got is the only people that define the narrative around abortion are anti-abortion lobbyists. Totally right. Great. So there's no lived experience here. Of course, there's a lot of people kicking out, like kicking about talking about how abortion's terrible, often being like old white men um, who've never had an abortion, nope. but are. Pr- but also are probably not in a society where they talk openly with their friends and family members. So actually don't know... Anyone who's had to access it. Yeah, even though they probably do. do know quite a few. No one's mentioned it. I must say recently I had a really refreshing experience because I still, like, I think it's still super taboo even in our culture, like, Mm. over here. And, like, um, yeah, just, like, one of my friends recently, like, went, went through... And and I just like was so it was really refreshing how open they were about it and and like about all aspects of it. Mm. They weren't open about it like, oh yeah, it's grand. It was like it was actually really difficult. It's hard, yeah. And physically and mentally. Mm-hmm. And um I just it reminded me like about yeah, why I am so happy that they were able to get the care and the access they need, but also how society doesn't, we still don't really have like a support system for people, like in terms of like, they still had to do a lot of like work and kind of grit their teeth and like, you know, get on with it. Mm-hmm. Like it was like, okay, yeah, you can get the abortion, like, but then we expect you to get on with your life the, day, the next day. And it, sure. it wasn't as simple as that. And yeah, so it was really good that they were able to because we were actually working together on something so it was really good that they were actually able to let me know fully like they had the confidence to give me all that information mm-hmm. and I could figure out how best to support them but I w- it really made me realise like shit we don't have a lot of like like protocol like, also like I-, I don't fucking know what to do like when do you learn how to like well, support there someone we go. or like exactly. or what, what they even go through like yep. because they had to tell me but like mm-hmm. I don't did you get to all that? I didn't get to all that. Do you know what I mean? Well, like, I think that's the problem. So it's like, of course, we're not comfortable talking about abortion because we're still at a point where most women I know hide their tampon up their sleeve and oh go to the toilet. God, exactly, exactly. Well, no fucking wonder the we can't talk night, about abortion. I was out with a bunch of mates, right? And like, th- one of them handed a packet of tampons to the other and like, they apologised mm-hmm. to me and I was like, what? I'm sorry that this like, is I burning was, like, your eyeballs. I was like, I grew up in a household where, I, like, there was two women, like, like even I, if I didn't. know what, even if I didn't, but like, also, like, I've seen a fair share of tampons in my time. Like, it does not phase me. Like, and also, I don't want you to. I just felt, and then I felt awkward that they felt, yeah, that they had to say that. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I mean? And I was like, wow, I didn't realize we'd, we were there. You yeah, know? but we, but we absolutely are. Like, mm-hmm. if if we're at a point where, so you've, if you ever hide your sanitary products or you're embarrassed if they fall out your bag or you um if if you use any euphemisms for 
your period or mm. if you use kind of other names for genitals with your kids yeah. um if you if you ever if there's any encouragement that there's certain things that are private and certain things that are public we're all complicit in building this this culture of shame yeah. and secrecy and the f- when i did sex education at school it was split up so the the boys didn't see the the girls kind of period chat yeah that's really doesn't help anybody if it's like this is secret information yeah. um it was very i f- when i first started my period i felt very underprepared you know to i there was some information out there but I didn't think we were given enough, usually because the person providing the education was being forced to and was really embarrassed about it anyway. Um, Like, I remember, actually, I remember my brother when he was really little. I hope he didn't listen to this. Um, (laughs) Really, so he sort of cottoned on to a word that he really liked to say and he would just say it all the time. Um, and it was panty liner. You had no idea what a oh, panty liner was. Yeah. Love, so calm. <laughs> it was like throwing panty liner out of the way. But there was this kind of sense that, that like, you should, don't say that, don't say that when we're out. Like, don't yeah, say that, yeah, you know. Yeah. Um, which is just, it, I find it just re- fascinating. You Once you've, like, once you're aware of it, you'll notice it all the time, all oh, these yeah. little things. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then we, then we wonder why we don't feel comfortable talking about either intellectually or politically or from lived experience kind of personally talking about abortion yeah well no we can't talk about anything people don't anything even like talking about pooing and weeing south of a fucking chin no we're not secret there. secret business yeah. don't no one wants to know about it and it's it's really so easy to fall into those things without realizing but because it's like built on from like day one you really have to hack at that, you know, mm. because if you're not someone who's comfortable talking about anything, that's a very scary place when there's something really important that comes up yeah. you need to start talking and about. you need to speak up. And that's not the time you want to start. No. You want to start when there is no, you know, there's no, like, big, massive weight of something on your shoulders. You just no. want to be, you know, let's start gentle so that we're in a place where people feel safe talking about it. That's but, what I love about our relationship. Like, there's nothing that I wouldn't say in front of you. No. And I feel no shame when I'm with you. Right. Because I think we had just unspokenly kind of established that with each other early on. Definitely. And like, even like, oh my God, like shout out to Ian, like literally chatting about his crabs, like oh, five minutes in. Beautiful. Like, and I, I feel like, yeah, like that was a great example of how like free and we all were and like just yeah it just it brings you closer to people it allows opportunity for a laugh for a deeper connection it's like yeah exactly I'm, all, I'm here for it yeah no shame no shame be your fucking self but will you realize how powerful shame is and then there's commonality the shared experience exactly and opportunity for really really um strong empathy with people as well definitely because you're like you realize that you're not special like everyone has a shit story everyone is do you know what I mean exactly and I think there's I think the reality is that there are more people I think one in four people will access some kind of abortion be that um, the morning after pill to any kind of you know more um, larger medical procedure I think um, like cis men need to like step your pussies up because like I think there's not enough conversation at you know morning after pill like that's a huge thing where it's probably quite common in terms of people having to access it and like I think that there's two minimum two people involved in this situation minimum the fact exactly. that like one person then has to go mm-hmm. and deal with all of the aftermath nah you need to be there Yep. You need to be there with them if that's what they want. You know, if they're like, fuck off, fair enough. Mm-hmm. But like, I just think it's too often that predominantly the woman is like left to kind of clear Do up all that stuff. the mess in inverted commas. Um, yeah. And, and like, even like right now, like, I don't know what these experiences are. So like, I'm all ears. I need to know when to shut up and listen as well. And yeah. just like hear... Um, 
hear from the people that it, it affects, you know. Well, there's there's a um, bit of footage of Kamala Harris before she was uh, vice president asking a male um, senator, "Can you can you point to any laws that are specifically focused around the male body?" Yeah. And he sort of like dithers about, and, blah, 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 blah. and she goes, well, "No, no, that's not the qu- like. You're not answering the question. Can you point to any law?" And I think the really important when when people say that the discussion around abortion is not a war on um, the female body, this is female body, they are completely wrong because there is no equivalent. There is no talk of. Everyone gets a vasectomy because it's reversible. Totally. And then you opt to, to you say, please, may you reverse my vasectomy because I'd like to have children now. Mm. There is no equivalent whatsoever. Not even, it, the only time I ever hear that is as part of a joke. Mm-hmm. You know, there's there's nothing. Um, which And that's so unique to our legal system that it only works one way. That there's no other way to read that. Than a very unjust system, yeah. you know. Um, there's been there's a a little I think it's from Veep, um, a little kind of screenshot from Veep saying if men if men could get pregnant, you could get an abortion at an ATM. Yeah, and it is it's a very interesting kind of hypothetical to understand if it was the reality for the dominant group of people who have been yeah. in power, what would we what different situation would we be in now? Because it would be very, very different indeed. Totally, men would be getting knocked up left, right, and centre. They wouldn't be given a flying fuck. Like, it certainly it wouldn't be talked about as a tiny little baby until it was no, born. No, it, it would be talked be about transactional like growth. Yeah, <laughs> like a parasite until totally. it was. And I think we have to really, you know, even talking about kind of development of contraceptives. That may, that men can take yeah. has only ever been talked about in like hushed little yeah. circles, you know. Um, we really have so actually, and I, you know, the, the thing I thought the other day is when you get the contraceptive pill, they give you a little cardboard wallet to put the pill sleeve in. Have you ever been Again. given a little wallet to hide what your pills are? Mm. I have never ever seen a secret cardboard wallet for any other medication than a contraceptive pill. That's so interesting because even like I started prep recently and mm-hmm. like nah. Like nope. that that would be like a a I guess a you could imagine equivalent that, yeah. where they be like, maybe you want to hide the fact that mm-hmm. you're on this. No. So you get get a little kind of pink flowery little sheath that you put your tablets in. That's a fucking joke. Mm, no, I don't think so. I bet it's not even cute. No way. It's terrible. It's not no. even well. It's not even a. It's not even an industry around the aesthetics of that. Nope. Maybe this is our. Oh my god! We could design like insane, like shame-free, like really like statement. Like yeah, I'm taking my fucking pills. And you like, get little cases to hide your tampons. Hide that they're tampons. We oh could yeah, have. yeah. That are disguised as other things and all that. Yeah, I've seen. Oh my god, it's a joke. <laughs> Isn't it? What I love yeah. is the stuff you can sneak booze in that's oh, yeah, like, it's like tampons. A, yeah, exactly. I'm so here for that. Use tampons as a way to hide other things. Absolutely. Don't hide them. Because nobody touched it because a big burly security oh, man is like, oh, oh no thanks, no thanks. You can take as much drugs as you like in there. <laughs> yeah. Actually, this we have, to, we have to think about this as a consequence. If we get rid of the shame around sanitary protection, we're going to lose a very good hidey hole. Yeah. Everyone's going to be straight as fuck, sober as fuck. We're not going to be able to hide anything. Can't be having it. All right, just leave it as it is. Um, I've got this. There's a really good book called Shrill, which is by Lindy West, and it's called and it's essays around. Um, she yeah, tales from a loud woman is the subheading. Tales from a loud. Wo- tales from a loud woman. Woman. <laughs> I had it right. A loud whim. <laughs> a loud whim. I mean, fair enough. And, uh, I like that shrill as well. Yeah, That's shrill really is a really nice good yeah. title. Yeah. Um, and it's an amazing book, and she talks about a lot of things. Um, she talks about lots of stuff around body image and around being fat and around um, lots things of you know being a woman growing up and all that stuff. But she has a an essay called "When Life Gives You Lemons," which is about her abortion, and it's a little bit long, but I did want to read it because I Do think it, please. it's a really beautiful thing. So she. Um, is 27, I think, 
um, at w- when she finds out that she's pregnant. She's in a fairly unsatisfactory relationship with her boyfriend. She uses the term boyfriend in inverted commas, which is never a good start mm. um, with someone. And so, yeah, she says, I pee on the thing a little bit and mainly on my hand. And these two little pink lines appear in the line box. The first line's like, congratulations, it's urine. And the second line's like, congratulations, there's a baby in it. This is not at all what I was expecting and also exactly what I was expecting. My boyfriend at the time was an emotionally withholding, conventionally attractive jock whose sole metric for expressing affection was the number of hours he spent sitting platonically next to me in coffee shops and bars without ever, ever touching me. (laughs) To be fair, by that metric, he liked me a lot. Um, He, Mike had only been in official relationships with thin women but all of his friends teased him for perpetually hooking up with fat chicks. Every few months he'd get wasted and hold my hand or tell me I was beautiful. And the first time I tried to leave him, he followed me home and he said he loved me weeping on my doorstep. The next day I told him I loved him. And it was true for both of us, probably, but it was a shallow, watery love born of repetition and resignation. It condensed on us like dew only because we waited long enough. But I have grown accustomed to you because I have no one else is not the same as please tell me more about your thoughts on the upcoming cross-country season. Because he really liked cross-country running. Another red flag. That's a terrible thing. That is a massive red flag. Um, It was no kind of relationship, but at age 27, it was still the best relationship I'd ever had. So I set my jaw and attempted to sculpt myself into the kind of golem who was fascinated by 10K finishing times. (laughs) Of someone who still called me his friend when he talked to his mum. It wasn't fair to him either. He was clear about his parameters from the beginning. He told me I'm emotionally withdrawn and can only offer you two to three big spoons per annum. But I pressed myself against those parameters and I strained and I pushed until he and I were both exhausted. I thought at the time that love was perseverance. I'm not sure how I got pregnant. We were careful mostly, but I don't know. Sometimes people just fuck up. I honestly don't remember. If I'd carried that pregnancy to term, we might, have been bound to each other forever but we would have split up long before the birth some people shouldn't be together and once the stakes are real and kicking and pressing down on your bladder you can't pretend that shit's fine anymore mike made me feel lonely and being alone with another person is much worse than being alone by yourself i imagine he probably would have softened and loved the baby we would share custody amicably i'd move into my parents basement and get a job writing technical case studies at microsoft which what is, is what she was doing at the time. That's not just some weird um, reference. He'd throw child support at me and move away, maybe, but I doubt it. He was a good guy and it could have been a good life. Um, he didn't want to move to... They were in Seattle, but he didn't want to be there. He wanted to be in New England because, I don't know, you can run better there. Who <laughs> knows? Um, when... Uh, yeah, as for me, I found out I was pregnant three months before I figured out how to stop hating my body for good. Five months before I figured out how to... Before I got my first email from a fat girl saying my writing had saved her life. Six months before I fell in love with my future husband. Eight months before I met my stepdaughters. A year before I moved to LA to see what the world had for me. 18 months before I started working at Jezebel. Three years before I... The first time I went on television. Four years and ten months before I got married to the best person I've ever met. And just over five years before I turned in this book manuscript. Everything happened in those five years after my abortion. I became myself, not by chance or because an abortion is some mysterious, empowering, feminist rite of passage, as too many anti-choicers have accused me of believing, but simply because it was time, a whole bunch of changes set in motion years or decades ago, all came together at once, like tumblers in a lock clicking into place. My body, my work, my voice, my confidence and power, my determination to demand a life as potent and vibrant and public and complex as any man's. My abortion wasn't intrinsically significant, but it was my first big grown-up decision. It was the first time I asserted unequivocally, I know the life I want and this isn't it. The moment I stopped being a passenger in my own body and grabbed the rudder. Um, She then goes to the doctor and very quickly realises you can't get an abortion at the doctor. Um, So she's very flustered. She chooses not to tell Mike. Um, I'm not sure why, 
I have the faintest whiff of a memory that I thought he would be angry at me, like getting pregnant was my fault. Like it was my clinginess and desperate need to be loved, my insistence that we were a real couple, not two acquaintances who had grown kind of used to each other. It was like I was scared all of that had finally congealed into a hopeful, delusional little bundle and sunk its roots into my uterine wall, the physical manifestation of how pathetic I was. How could I have let this happen? It was so embarrassing, so I couldn't tell him. I always felt alone in the relationship, so I assumed this was just another thing I had to do alone. Um, so she goes to the doctor and they say, well, you can't do that. And so she finds the clinic where you can do it, but of course she's in the States, so you have to pay for it. Um, it was going to be $400 after insurance. She had about $100 left in her bank account because it was two weeks away from payday. Not a good time to have an abortion no. in the middle of the month. Um, she said, can you bill me? And the receptionist said, no, we need full payment the day of the procedure. And she said, we can push the appointment back if you need more time to get your funds together. And she said, I can't be pregnant anymore. I need to not be pregnant. I'm not supposed to be pregnant. Um, I didn't want to wait two more weeks. I didn't want to think about this every day. I didn't want to feel my body change. I didn't want to carry this baby for another two weeks, this artefact of my inherent unlovability, this physical proof that any permanent connection to me must be an accident. Men wanted babies with beautiful women. Men made mistakes with fat women. Um, she then talked to the head of the clinic and eventually they, they said, if you promise you'll pay your bill, we, we you can come in next week and we'll bill you afterwards. Um, which is what she did. Um, she said the... F um, the fact is I was getting this abortion no matter what. Um, all I had to do was wait two weeks or have an awkward conversation I didn't want to have with my supportive, liberal, well-to-do mother. Privilege means it's easy for white women to do each other favours. Privilege means that those of us who need it the least often get the most help. Um, so she goes into the clinic and she has the procedure and they mention, they ask her, why you haven't told your partner she said I cried because he wasn't a partner at all and I didn't know why I hadn't told him um, she was given a pamphlet um, and she was warned that the two tablets she was given after she took the second pill chunks the size of lemons might come out lemons imagine if we as a culture actually talked frankly and openly about abortion imagine if people seeking abortions didn't have to be blindsided by the possibility of blood lemons falling out of their vaginas via a pink photocopied flyer so uh, she took she takes her first uh, pill but then she's got to go to this event she's given a filmmaking prize to her friend um so she makes a speech and uh, she she's she's with her boyfriend but he still doesn't know um she said, it was one of our best nights and there are pictures. I'm smiling too big and running on fumes and gallows humour. I remember I pulled a friend into a dark corner and confessed I'd had an abortion. She said, did they tell you that thing about the lemons? And I nodded. She said, don't worry, uh, there aren't going to be lemons. Well, there probably aren't going to be lemons. Um, Mike didn't want to stay over because he had to get up early, which was fine. Um, because I had some uterine lining to shed. Um, but... Uh, sitting in the car while he dropped me off, I s started to cry and he said, what's going on as he as we sat in his Volvo? And she said, I can't tell you. There was silence for a minute and he said, did you have an abortion? And I said, today. He cried too, not out of regret or some moral crisis, but because I'd felt like I had to keep this a secret. We were just so bad at being together. He felt as guilty as I felt pathetic and it made us closer for a little bit. Um, he went to a high school reunion the next day and he didn't text enough and I cried a bit. I lay in bed all day and ached. No lemons came out. It was just like a bad period. The day after I felt a little better and the day after that, almost normal. I wasn't pregnant anymore. But instead of going back to the old routine, him running, me chasing, something had shifted inside and within six months we'd broken up for good. Within seven months, I wasn't mad at him anymore. Within a year, he'd moved back east. He was a good guy. I hesitate to tell the story, not because I regret my, regret my abortion or I buy into the right-wing narrative that pregnancy is God's punishment for disobedient women, but because it's so easy for an explanation to sound like a justification. The truth is, I don't care why anyone has an abortion. I believe unconditionally in the right to people with uteruses, to decide what grows inside of them and feeds on their blood and endangers their life and reroutes their future. 
There are no good abortions and bad abortions. There are only pregnant people who want to be pregnant and pregnant people who don't. Pregnant people who have access and support and pregnant people who face institutional roadblocks. For that reason, we have to talk about this. The fact is abortion is still a taboo subject. It means opponents of abortion get to define it. They can cast those of us who've had abortions as callous monstrosities and seed fear in anyone who might need one by insisting that the procedure is always traumatic, always painful, always impossible. Well, we're not and it's not. The truth is that life is unfathomably complex and every abortion story is as unique as the person who lives it. Some are traumatic, some are regretted, plenty are like mine. And there's one other bit where she asks... um, She's asked at the clinic what was the circumstances that brought her to being pregnant and she says she makes a reference to the fact that ah yeah she was just checking whether I was getting one of those party abortions that everyone thinks that people get and then she puts in brackets those are legal too and then that's what we were talking about isn't it like that there's the, yeah but I just thought what a beautiful essay that is and like someone Tell who Tell us the name again so people can um, read it. Yeah, so the book is called Shrill and uh, the author is Lindy West and it's yeah, that's just one chapter and they're all they all kind of connect to different parts of um her life, all in that kind of really beautiful, stark and sort of funny tone. But I think is that's a really I can't even add anything to it's that. amazing, isn't that it? It was mind blowingly articulate. And I think it's it's such a good example because there's a lot of mundane bits well that's it which we is what... connect to people's stories yeah exactly and lived experiences yeah people are often against things that they have no awareness of and they've never come up against that's right you, it's fear it's of fear the of the unknown and people that have prejudices that is just a story about I... someone's life something hard and with that when when she kind of tells her friend at that at that event and she said did you tell you that thing about the, leaven, the lemons there's that bit where she realises her nod. F- her friends had one as well. Exactly, just that little nod. It's of, all right. We've all we've done it. Yeah, we've been there. You know. I see you. And wow, yeah. And it, what the, we're talking about the blood lemons. I remember when we did sex education, and we were when they were talking about like this is how much when you get your period. This is how much blood you'll lose. Mm. And there was reference to like there's a lot of reference to it being like an egg cup full. Mm. And I guess that must have, it must have been before I started my period. But I remember when I started my period, I was like, oh, what kind of egg is this for dealing with? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cause, uh, uh, but because that had been stated like a fact, it will be an egg cup full. And then mine was more like a fucking thermos flask. Yeah. I thought, oh my good God, my insides are broken. I'm going to die. Yeah. Um, but didn't feel like I could ask anyone. No, didn't it's so taboo. You know, um, at no point did anyone say, oh, it could be an egg cup, could be a thermos, could be a basin, could but be a this, could worry, be that. Um, but that's what I mean. All this information's delivered with this kind of embarrassed, I'll give you the bare minimum yeah. and then just can we stop talking about this, yeah, please? let's get it over with. There must be so many equivalents in the sex ed that boys are given as well in terms of like... There's so know. many expectations around sex about when you're meant, and, and puberty and like when you're meant to start growing hair and like you know like around like erection and like yeah all sorts of stuff like Mm. and and it's just like it creates this hugely pressured vacuum of like performance around Mm -hmm. sex and around growing up and and masculinity and Mm -hmm. it is defines what makes you a man and and yeah everywhere yeah and i guess that there's that in a classroom in a secondary mm. school, there isn't really a culture of vulnerability which is encouraged. So when you're given that information, the only way people deal with it is by joking around and being like... Totally, and, and turning it into a, maybe a way to poke fun at somebody. Yeah. And yeah, totally. And it's like, it's... Everyone... and if, Well, I mean, I guess it's it's super different now that you can access the internet from when you're born, but we didn't... I didn't no, have that as a, an option. That. I know I'm young, but I'm not lying. <laughs> I still remember our first family computer coming in like a huge, chunky, <laughs> yeah, like played a solitaire on it every yeah. night. Um, well, here's to going forth unashamedly. Yes, yes. And speaking no shame. out and speaking up yeah. for each other. And if you need any encouragement, 
to not have shame. I actually think we probably mentioned shame in every one of our episodes. So it's yeah. prob- but listen to Ian talk and you... Yeah. It's the- Ian's crabs. Ian's nay crabs. Shame. Hashtag nay shame. It's a funny story. It's either fun or a funny story. Well, we have Ian's crabs. We have you shitting yourself. Yeah. And then I feel a bit left out, I think. Well, yeah, that was maybe one of my favourite lines from part one of Ian Shaw is you saying, can someone cut my dick off? <laughs> <laughs> I did think about my mum listening to that, and I thought, oh, fuck Cause it. Because we, because, so yeah, because Ian and I had bonded, he had a ball operation, I had oh, a yeah, fanny God, operation. He, oh, he, oh, God, yeah, we had all sorts. It was about 12 really? minutes in, we'd covered like crabs, balls, I mean, there was all sorts. It set the tone for a very interesting evening. Go and check it out if you haven't already. Go and do it. And yeah. um, keep an eye on what happens in Texas, because the the... We might be needed, or good yeah. troublemakers may be needed Absolutely. to cause rally, some good trouble. Rally, rally up. Um, Poised and ready. If there is a website that requires you to whistleblow on people, might be a good idea to visit that and cause a little bit of good trouble on that because we don't need any of that. So go forth, abort as you see fit, and have a nice time. Bye. Okay, bye. <laughs>